0: We met when I was going into my senior year of high school. Um, so we were long distance at that time. John was already in Georgia. He grew up um, kind of in Virginia and then moved pretty young to Georgia. So we've been long distance, or we were long distance the whole time we knew each other. Um, and so for a long time, we were just friends. I was in high school. I was like, what, like nothing's really going to happen. Uh, I was immature. He was already in college, which I thought was really cool, and I was getting attention from a college guy, and so that was a lot of um, just my worldly mindset about relationships. And so I, there's lots of drama that went into our story and got us to where we are now. Um, it was lots of ups and downs, um, but we were just friends for a year and a half, and then started dating um, my freshman year of college, so in 2014, and we were long distance for three and a half years before I moved to Georgia. Um and we've gone through so much in our dating relationship and in our friendship. And if you guys want to hear more about that, or have like specifics on long distance dating, or on Pursual or any of that stuff, um, you can definitely come see us after because we have learned a lot and probably gone through mostly everything. So absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. awesome,
1: great, thank you. Um, so let's dive into the lesson. Um, so when you think about relationships, friendships, relationships in general. Um, in the kingdom, as a disciple of Jesus, what comes to mind? What should these relationships look like? And I'm going to take a few of you guys. You guys can answer. Yeah, shout it out. God in the center. Being centered on God, God's word, not yourself. I like it. What else?
0: Admonishment and
1: correction. Admonishment and correction. Yes. Honoring others above ourselves. Honoring others above ourselves. That's important. Encouragement, building up. Encouragement, building up. Purity. Purity. Yes. Any others? All right, cool. We're going to move on. So, yeah, I I think all of those are great. I think in, in terms of any relationship that you would have, whether it's with the sister, whether it's with the brother, as a disciple, we pursue being like Jesus in any aspect. Having God's word at the core and really doing our best to be like Jesus. Some of the things that I put down, man, as a disciple... When I became a disciple, man, I realized my relationships needed to look different, that my relationships with people needed to be encouraging, that it needed to be about the other person and not myself. But how could I give? How could I serve? How could I encourage the other person and inspire them and spur them on? It was about serving and being sacrificial, not about myself, not about what I could get out of it. We say that a lot. And and even we see Jesus with his relationships was always serving and being sacrificial. And so learning to do that with our relationships, holy and pure. Learning that our relationships need to be treated in a holy and pure manner. To be holy means to be without blemish and to have no signs of flaws or or blemishes, but to be made holy and pure. That that's what our relationships as disciples should look like. That if we have a conflict with someone, we're going to go and we're going to have a conversation because we want to be like Jesus and we don't want that conflict to separate us forgiving that we don't hold grudges if someone hurts our feelings we're going to be able to go and have a conversation with them and have scripture to back up hey man this is why i'm approaching you this is why i'm coming to you because i don't want this to be a stumbling block in our path and i love you so i'm going to talk to you about this these are what our relationships in the kingdom of god and as disciples should look like my next question is what is the goal or no scroll too far sorry what do you feel like dating relationships and when I'm talking about dating I'm talking about taking sisters on dates or being in a dating relationship one-on-one with somebody what do you feel like that relationship should look like good communication caring more about the other
0: person's relationship with God than your relationship each
1: other. Ooh! Wow! Caring more about the person's relationship with God and your relationship with God more than you care about that significant other, I think that's great. What else? Boundaries. Having boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I thought I saw a hand. And you know, when I think about it, man, honestly, a lot of the things that we shared about the last question I asked also apply to a relationship that is in a steady dating relationship or taking people on dates. The same applies. That as a disciple, your relationships should look that way no matter what. You're not one yet. You're not married. You have, the two have not become one. So at the center of that, it should always be about making God the center and caring more about your relationship with God than you do that significant other. What are some of the goals the world tends to seek from dating relationships? Validation. Validation. Instant gratification. Control. Control. Comfort. 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 Conquest. Conquest. You guys kind of
0: like become each
1: other's gods. Ooh, you guys become, you guys are so wrapped up in each other that you guys become each other's gods. You idolize each other. Aesthetic. Aesthetic. Some of the things that I put down is I was this selfish mindset of what I can get out of this. I I think about when I was in the world and I had relationships, man, it was always about John. It was always about me and what I could get out of relationships. I didn't care. I didn't care about the other person. I would say I did. I'd say I love them, but my actions didn't really prove that I loved them because it was always about me. Security. A lot of you guys said that putting your trust and your comfort in that relationship, and that is a huge thing that we see in the world. That people put so much trust that someone is their whole world, and if that relationship happens to the end, that person's broken. They're done for. They feel like they can't go on in life. That is what it's like to have a relationship in the world. And I put some other things that in the world, a dating relationship is about the hookup. Hey, how far can I get? How far can I push these boundaries? How far am I willing? Is she willing to let me get? In a worldly relationship, it's about sex. If we're honest with each other, a lot of times in the world, it's about sex and my pleasure and what can I get from this relationship. That's just the way the world views relationships. The world in today's day and age is all about self and how I can get what I want. And like I mentioned, man, these were the kinds of things that I was led by. When I was governed by the futility of my thinking and before I became a disciple, that this was my life. When I was in high school, these are what my relationships looked like. They were impure. It was all about me, focused on self, focused on instant gratification and the pleasure that I could get from a relationship. But then by the grace of God, I came in touch with Jesus' word and the truth that Jesus brings from his word. And it changed me when I became a disciple. And that is a question a lot of us have to ask ourselves. Man, does my relationship with other disciples look different from when I was in the world? Or am I seeing a lot of the similar character traits that I had in my relationships with the world follow me into my relationships with brothers and sisters? And as we get a lot further on, we're going to talk about a lot of the things like emotional purity. And how we should have emotional purity with our relationships with each other and what that looks like. We're going to talk about some boundaries and we're going to talk about some things practically to hopefully help set you guys up for success, but also to help you develop a conviction for why this is important in the first place. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Jeremiah 29. scripture. It's read a lot in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you that God tells us, man, this is my plan for those who are my disciples at this time in the Bible, the Israelites had turned from God. They started to idolize other things, which was often in their walk with God. And every time that they turned away from God and started idolizing these other things, their relationship, they started to slowly drift further away from God. And God uses prophets and he uses people to always go back and man, capture the heart of his chosen people. And in this moment, he says these words to them that I love you. Look at this. He says, man, I have the I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. That as God's people, man, God desires for life to be prosperous for us. Even now, yes, this was written for the Israelite people, but we can use this to apply to us today. That God's plans for our life is awesome. That God wants your life to be awesome. That God wants your life to be prosperous and hopeful. Which makes me know, man, this also applies to our relationships. That if God told these people that he wants their life to be hopeful and prosperous, for one, that does not mean everything is going to go great for you. That does not mean you're never going to face trials. I just want to throw that out there. Because we know that a life as a disciple is not easy. But the way that God sets it up here is he says, Hey, listen, Israel, come back to me. You have drifted and you need to come back to me, your God. I need to be your priority. I need to be your center again. And so we get to understand that, man, even in our relationships, God wants us to have a prosperous life, and he wants us to have a life that's hopeful. But we also must understand that if we want this life, we must be willing to do things according to his scriptures. That if we want a life that's hopeful and prosperous, even in our relationships, we must be willing to look at his word and apply it to our lives, remembering that he loves us. And that most of all, that he wants us to thrive spiritually. Even in our relationships with one another, he wants us to strive spiritually. And so when I hear this, man, it's, it's comforting to me. Because it's like, man, I can take the pressure off. Man, I can take the pressure off myself and, and, and feeling the insecurity that I need to be a certain way and be this certain thing to impress people and realize, man, I just got to be like God. I just got to stay. I just got to cling to God's word and be like Jesus. Jesus. And with my relationships, choose to be that way as well. And the way that I think and the way that I act. And it's going to work out. But we have to be willing to do our part. You know, when we speak about men and women friendships, because as we were thinking about this and how we we're going to do our class, when we speak about men and women friendships, we cannot help but bring up dating. We cannot help but bring up the idea of going on dates. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say going on dates? Raise your hand. A good amount of hands. You know, uh, Matt was sharing yesterday about (laughs) being in the campus ministry in Athens, Georgia. And I love talking to older people because older people during that time of being in the campus ministry, one of their best, one of their most fond memories of being in the ministry at that time is being able to go on dates. And and it's just awesome hearing them talk about it because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it's a dying culture in our ministries. And I think we need to bring it back. I think we really need to go back to man being people who are not just focused on ourselves and, and who are consumed with the way the world thinks about dating and what dating is. But we need to go back to that heart of man. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than the way that I view things and the way that I look at things. It's bigger than the fact that, man, I'm insecure about this. No, it's about the other person. And Jesus was always able to take it back to being about the other person. Spiritual dating in the kingdom of God is about building friendships and encouraging one another. That's what it's about. And if your heart is in a place where you don't understand, man, how could it be about encouraging someone? Man, I feel like if I, if I want to take someone on a date, doesn't that mean I have to be interested in them? No. No. Not at all. You're, you're missing the point. You're missing the point completely. It's about others. Turn over if you're in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And, so, and for those of you who do not know what I'm talking about, as I talk more, I'm hoping that you will get an understanding of what I'm referring to when I'm talking about dating. And taking sisters on dates. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve that God, what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. And so we get this idea that, Jesus, or that Paul is telling his disciples, man, do not conform to the way that the world thinks. That you have been made new. That as a disciple, you're called to live a new life. That you are freed. And you are freed because of Jesus. And when we think about spiritual dating, it isn't based off of attraction. It isn't based off of being romantically interested or into someone. That's the way that the world thinks. When you think about, man, how does the world perceive dating? Man, people only go on dates with people that they're attracted to. Or they only go on dates with people that they're hoping that they can get the hook up with. Or, man, I want to get to this stage. I want to get to this base. That's what dating in the world looks like. But as disciples, that is not the heart. Why? Because this scripture speaks volume. That we as disciples are called to be radically different. We're called to think different. We're called to act different. And in our dating relationships with brothers and sisters, that is supposed to look different as well. We are called to be different. You know, in a dating relationship, like I said, you don't have to be romantically interested in someone. You don't have to be attracted to someone to take them on a date, to encourage them, to let them know that they're loved and that they're cared for you know, I want to share something with the brothers in here. Guys, we need to take a pride in wanting to really take care of our sisters and protect them. We really do need to take pride in that. Because remember what you were like before you were a disciple. And I don't know about you guys, but the way that I talked to girls was not in a righteous way. The way that I looked at women was not in a righteous way. And our sisters fight so hard to be righteous. And they fight so hard to be pure. But there are guys, because we know our sisters are beautiful and we know they're awesome. And there are guys in the world who desire to give them attention. There are guys in the world who will desire to tell them that they're pretty and, and, and to try and make moves on them. And I'm not saying that this is an excuse for them, But if they're not being seen as important and valued by brothers in the church, then what do we expect? If brothers in the church aren't taking the time to be intentional and to show them that they're worthy and beautiful and a guy in the world is, man, that's hard. And that's shame on us. We need to have a healthy pride. For really wanting to protect our sisters and to encourage them and to show them, man, you are more important than me. That I love you and I care for you so much. And I'm going I'm to spend time making you feel loved. And I'm going to spend time to nurture this friendship and to give to this friendship. Why? Because I know that this is what Jesus would do. Man, we look at Jesus, his interactions with people all throughout the scriptures. In particular, his interaction with the Samaritan woman, man, Jesus was a man who was intentional. And he had a way of making people feel loved, even with a a, a 10-minute interaction with them. Man, we've got to really fight, brothers, to make the sisters feel loved in this way. And even as we talk about building friendships and this idea of, of going on dates, man, I don't know about you guys, but it's a mutual encouragement for me. Man, I've gone on dates where I've taken sisters and, and I can tell that they've had a good time because they've told me, but I've also had a good time myself. That I've been like, man, this was an awesome date. We had a lot of fun, man. I got to know so much about this sister that I didn't know before. Man, she's amazing. She's she's awesome. And we're missing out on that opportunity. We really are. You know, I think a lot of what we like to do in today's day and age is we like to be weasels. And uh well, you know, Matt Webber talked about it. He, he put up that picture of, of him here at Ridgecrest being a weasel. And I have fond memories as well of being a weasel and going on some weasel dates with Delaney. And it didn't make her feel special. It really didn't. And that's what we need to realize, man. Man, we got to be willing to grow in our cha- I think it's a character issue, honestly. I'm going to call you out. I think it's a character issue that we don't want to put in. The, we're too lazy. That we don't want to put in the time. That we don't want to put in the effort that it takes to really sit down and plan an awesome, amazing date. That we'd rather just text a sister and say, hey, you want to just kind of get coffee? And I can kind of like hear about your life and you can kind of hear about my life and it's just going to be you and I and I'm going to stare into your eyes and it's just going to be great. That's what we do. That's how we do it. And we need to be more intentional. We need to be more intentional. Make the sisters feel care for. And I'm not going to get in all the details about, man, how to like go about like the technicality of how to ask and how far in advance to ask a sister on a date and all those things. You can come up to me afterwards and talk. But make them feel special. Make them feel cherished. Make them feel like the beautiful daughter of God that they are. In 1 Timothy 5 2, 1 through 2 at the end of one, it says, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Man, we like to trot on that line of, man, what, what's, what's purity? And what's absolute purity? Because it says, with absolute purity. Yeah, Come on. And this goes both ways. I think sisters, we got to be mindful of the brothers as well and, and, and their purity. And brothers, we got to be mindful of the sisters. And treating them with absolute purity. That we need to look at our relationships and really strive to say, you know what? Am I being above reproach in this relationship? Because at the same time, and God, Jesus tells us that the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love and treat one another. And if we have a desire to change the world and be an example to the world, then we got to be mindful of our relationships with each other. And how the world may view our relationships with each other. we got to be willing to be above reproach. You know, we got to treat these relationships the way you would have someone treat your mother. Or your sister. Or your father. Or your brother. Man, and I I know having one sister and growing up with a family of four boys. That we all cherish and love our sister. And we are very protective of our sister. And that that's what our relationships, our friendships with the sisters in the ministry needs to look like as well. And sisters, likewise for you and your relationships with the brothers. That you cherish them. That you view them as an older or younger brother. And that you use discretion with that relationship. In John 13, verse 34. I really love this passage. You know, Jesus was always a man that spoke powerfully, but he was also a man that just, I feel like, turned the world upside down. Every every time he would speak in a parable, man, he left people so like perplexed and confused. Man, when he speaks oftentimes, man, I remember Jesus speaks in, in John 6 and it's such a hard teaching that people are like, man, this is such a hard teaching. Who can accept this and that they walk away from Jesus? Man, that's just how radical Jesus was. And then he gives us this command in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, when I read this passage, I love the verbiage that Jesus uses. This one another is referring to the fellowship of believers. He is talking to his disciples and he's saying, man, you will be identified. That people will look at you and know that there is something special. That there is something different about you by the way that you love one another. And this one another that I'm referring to is your brothers and sisters and your relationships with them. People will tell if you are my true disciples or not. You know, a distinguishing mark of someone being a disciple of Jesus is a deep, sincere love for brothers and sisters in Christ. That that is how people will be able to realize, man, we are Jesus' disciples is by a deep, sincere love for our brothers and sisters. You know, when you think about the world that we live in, there are so many things in our world today that we identify ourselves by that separate us and that segregate us. You think about skin color. Man, skin color has long been a thing that people have have been identified by, and that has separated and caused so much hurt and dissension in relationships. We think about socioeconomic status, that how much money people own is such a thing that can really separate and segregate people You know, where people grew up, where people go to school, what your alma mater is, and what we eat. You know, some people being vegetarian, some people being meat lovers and meat eaters. There are just so many things in the world that can separate and can segregate people. And what I love about this passage is that Jesus creates a group of people who who are identified not by the things that the world identifies people by, and not by the things that the world can easily let be something that separates them. But they are identified by love. That Jesus puts it plainly. That, hey, you want to be a group that's distinguished, that's different, that's separated? You'll be identified by your love. And that is the love that the world is, that is so different from the world. That's why when we talk about dating in the kingdom, people are like, what? Like, what do you mean you go on a date... Every weekend with a, different, with a different girl. Like, are you a player? Like, what? And you're like, no, bro, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. See, when we date each other, it's not about what I can get out of it. It's not about the fact that I want to be interested in this person. No, it's about the fact that I care for my sister so much. Yeah. And I love her. Yeah. And I want to get to know her. And this is just a fun time where we can go out on a Saturday night with other people and have a good time. And learn about each other. We need to be people whose love looks different. You know, we must break free from the selfish, unforgiving, egotistical, and insecure, or insincere way that we look at relationships. Because that's the way the world does. And we can let that trickle into our mindset so often as disciples. And we need to break free from that. And we need to be people who love like Christ in our brother and sister relationships. And now uh, Delaney's going to come up and she's going to touch on uh, like steady dating. And then we're going to share a little bit more on that as well.
0: Delaney. Delaney. So a funny story about weasel dating. We, um, so we met in the summer before my senior year and um, we were texting a lot and um, just very emotional and not immature like I had said earlier. Um, and so there was some drama in our relationship, and so we didn't really talk for a wh- in our friendship. So we didn't really talk for a while, and then I went to the spring campus retreat in February that year, and it was the first time we saw each other since the summer. So John's like, "Oh, like we can catch up," and um, but didn't ask me on a date, just said we can catch up. So we sat in the lobby of the hotel. Oh,
1: you I was a Weasley. <laughs> so we're catching
0: up, and then he's like, "Oh, let's go on a walk." So then we're like walking around the retreat center and we see some of his friends from his ministry and they're like, oh, how's your date? And he was like, this isn't a date. Like he was like, like very clear that it wasn't a date. And I was like, okay. Um, but seriously, like that didn't make me feel special. Like if he had just called it a date, I, I wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been no expectations. It just would have made me feel more special. Like, do you even want to be talking to me right now? So it was discouraging, but it worked out. But we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot through our relationship. Um, but yeah, so there are a lot of things that can keep us caged in idol, idolization of relationships. Um, and the world idolizes romantic relationships. Um, and that is such a worldly mindset when it comes to co-ed friendships and just dating and romantic relationships. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges that women can face, and men can face it too, but I think Satan's biggest scheme for women is insecurity. Um, and insecurity in relationships. Um, and Satan has used insecurity to pull us away from God in so many forms since the very beginning of time. Um, so we're going to look at Genesis 3, Ooh, all the way back to the beginning. Um, and so Adam and Eve uh, had, they lived a perfect life. They were in the garden, or you know, up until uh, Satan intervened. Um, but they were walking with God. They had perfect security with God. They literally got to walk through the garden together in... Complete security in God and in each other. They had no shame. They, they didn't. They had no cares in the world except just enjoying life. Um, and they were so close to God and so so close to each other without any barriers. Um, but then, picking up in verse three, or in chapter three, verse one. Um, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" The woman said to the serpent, "We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die." "You will not certainly die," the serpent said to the woman, "for God knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." Um when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food or the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Um, so prior to this, they had no shame. They had no barriers. But Satan convinced Adam and Eve that God could not be trusted, that he was holding out on them, that He, what he said wasn't totally true, that, um, that he was keeping some, something even more from them. And they had everything they could desire, but Satan came in and convinced them that there was still something else that they should desire more and that God didn't want them to have it. And so they convinced him that he wasn't a good God. He convinced them to be insecure in their relationship with him. Um, and so suddenly there was distrust and insecurity in their hearts. And so they looked for that security elsewhere by going to seek wisdom from the fruit. And as soon as they ate it, there was shame. They realized their eyes were open. They saw mm-hmm. sin. They saw that they were naked. And they sowed fig leaves and hid. They There was no shame before that. And now there was shame and distrust even in their relationship with each other. Um, and so... I think that the shame and the insecurity was God's, or was Satan's scheme all along um, to get them to be pulled from God. Um, and then going further, um, once God finds out, he's talking to Eve and uh, that he's disappointed. Um, and then picking up in verse 14, um, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And he will put enmity between you and the woman. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. very painful. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your lives. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So God said there's consequences to your actions. Um, and so this is the first time that there's sin, the first time that there's consequences. And so specifically, um, talking to the women, but I think we can all relate to the feeling of insecurity, but in, um, in verse 16, God said that your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And I don't think at this point it's God's making her any more reliant on Adam or, um, like, I don't know. I don't think that God's, like, punishing her, but he's just showing her there's consequences to your actions. You had perfect security in me, and now that you're looking for it elsewhere, now your security is going to come from your husband. If you're not seeking it from me, it's going to be from a man. And so that's, throughout generations, has plagued women now. This is, like, the curse of Eve, that we seek validation from men. And from external sources but mostly specifically from romantic relationships with men um, and the, so we all still feel this we all still feel that like Eve like ashamed and insecure and seeking to feel fulfillment from our relationship with our with brothers or with our boyfriend or with our husband um, and God created us to desire relationships he created us to Uh, to want to walk with him like that from in act 17 we see that we're created to seek god and god has set everything out so that we'll have a relationship with him and even in the garden god wanted to walk with them and he wanted to have that that uh, personal uh relationship with them um but when we don't put our earthly relationships in its god ordained place uh, we become enslaved to insecurity because humans can't fulfill the needs that God can fulfill. Um, we have a hole in our heart that should be filled by God, and w- but when we aren't filling it with God, we seek it from people. Um, and that's just not realistic, and it's unfair to expect that from relationships, and so that's when relationships start to become worldly, and there's distrust, and there's miscommunication, and there's sin, and there's compromising on convictions because we want to feel needed, and we want to feel validated and secure and <coughs> worthy. And that's a a trap and ensnarement that the world has, and I feel so sad when I look at worldly relationships, because they don't have the security in knowing that God is the one that's ultimately going to fulfill them, and that they don't have to look for that in each other, and that's why there's, in the world, in our culture, it's like, we constantly feel like we're distrustful, and that there's going to always be someone else that we have to be worried about, that this person's going to like more than us, or that we have to, give ourselves fully physically because that's the only way we're going to be loved and we have to do that if we want to keep them and we just hold on so tightly to things because we're insecure about losing that security that God gives us freely we don't even have to do anything to earn that but we just have to believe that and when we don't believe that then we have this just trap of worldly relationships um and John 10, 10 it says uh, Jesus tells us the thief comes only to kill steal kill and destroy I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full and I truly believe that God wants us to have fun and exciting and fulfilled lives. Like, that is God's plan for us. We looked at um, the scripture in Jeremiah, that God wants us to be, to live prosperously <coughs> and hopefully. And, and that doesn't mean that we're going to have easy lives, but God wants us to have hope and wants us to have a, a full life. Um, and uh, dating can be so much fun and glorifying to God. And dating is something that I think, obviously it wasn't in the Bible, and so it's hard but I, to, to translate it now. But I think that this is something God wants for us if we're using it to glorify him. Um, But that doesn't mean that Satan isn't lurking, still trying to destroy our relationships with God. And he plants these questions of security and self-worth. Do I really deserve to be loved? Am I capable of loving this person in the way that they deserve to be loved? Um, And it goes on and those questions that that Satan just keeps putting in our mind, make us hold on tighter and tighter to these worldly things um, to to feel close and we hold on to it impurity and we hold on to distrust and we hold on to um just all these things that we feel like we have to understand or we have to do um to win the approval of the other person um and when we aren't going to god with these things and we aren't finding solace in our relationship with him before anything else we just seek to be loved and to, to feel fulfilled um, and our brothers even the most spiritual ones in our ministries are still human and can never meet our needs in the way that god can um, and if we're depending the, on them, too, we'll constantly be plagued by the worldly thinking. Um, and men and women think so differently. That is not a surprise. Um, and that could be a whole other lesson on communication and expectations and all of those things. And there's so many things with dating that we we were like, how do we narrow this down? Um, and I brought some books, they're under my jacket over here, that have really helped us to, in our dating relationship to um, get past those barriers of Um, security and um, miscommunication Um, but basically expecting our boyfriends or our guy friends if we're not in dating relationships um, to think like we do and to know how to love us um, in the way that we want to be loved um, without like just inherently is unfair that's an unfair expectation and that's not realistic and only God can love us in the way that we need to be loved um does that mean that they can't learn to love us and encourage us in a way that a spiritual man can? No, I mean, they can. But to to expect them to be the source of our comfort and the source of our security is unfair. And that's going to lead to so many, just so many trials in your relationship and in your friendships. And we'll constantly be disappointed. Um, and just keep us, to keep us caged in insecurity and in impurity and in sin in our relationships. Um, So we'll just fall right into that worldly pattern and lose out on having life to the full. Um, And that doesn't even just apply to dating. Um, I think before dating, it was like, I was like, oh, well, I'm not, I don't have a boyfriend. So I guess I don't struggle with emotional purity because I don't have anyone that I'm like idolizing. Um, But I've heard people say, and even I've said this before oh I just feel closer to the brothers or I just have really close friendships because I grew up with these guys in my ministry and I know them from when I was young so we're just super close we're just best friends and so they're they're, I'm just closer to them than I am with anyone else um and the reality is that Satan's scheme has always been and will always be for us to question our worth and shame our lives and God says if we aren't getting that security from God we're going to seek it from men And so I think we just can't be naive and that that is Satan's scheme for us. And we have to protect our heart against that, even if we're not dating. Because when we're dating, we're constantly getting discipling on don't idolize your boyfriend and are you putting God first and all these things. But we don't necessarily think about that when we're not dating. And we can just feel really safe in our friendships with our brothers. And we should. And that's such a beautiful thing that God's kingdom gives us. But it doesn't mean that that Satan's scheme for us isn't still for us to feel insecure and still to seek that validation from them. Um, So I think we have to be really careful in setting boundaries um, in our relationships with brothers and um, brothers setting boundaries in their relationships with sisters um, so that we don't get caught in that trap of seeking that comfort and that security from um, even just our friendships. Um, And I think some of those things that come to mind when I think about what do those boundaries look like, um, the amount of time that you spend talking, the time that you're talking, the place that you're talking, like all those things can make or break whether we're having an emotionally pure conversation or an emotionally impure conversation um when we're talking on the phone at late at night um when you're really emotional like those aren't the times that I was pure in my mindset about what I wanted even when I was dating John or with other other brothers or friendships like if I'm not if I'm going to them first to feel some type of um Like, oh, I just want to feel comfort. So I'm going to like talk to this guy about this issue that I'm having. Like that's my my mindset isn't, isn't pure in that most of the, I mean, ever. Um, so we just have to be careful because late at night we get more emotional and the amount of time, like time and proximity is really all it takes for us to feel connected to somebody. And so the more time that you spend with talking to someone and the deeper that you get, the more that you're just towing that line of crossing over into this is like, this is not God's plan for my friendship with this person. Um, And the topics of our conversations. I don't think we need to be confessing sin or talking about deep issues in our faith faith with our brothers. Like, in most cases, that's probably not something that needs to be happening. I mean, there might be isolated cases where maybe we need to, but I don't think that that's something that we should, that that's just not necessary. And I think um, that there are times and places for friendships with the opposite sex, and it's something that we have that's a beautiful thing in the kingdom, that we get to feel safe in that, and we get to feel secure, and we get to know that they have pure motives, or we get to hope that they have pure motives because they have God and they have the standard that we have. Um, but I think we always need to be alert to protecting our hearts so we can rely on God and not go to brothers um, or vice versa. Brothers going to sisters to feel that fulfillment that we should be feeling from God because it's so easy to feel that. And even like sisters going to sisters, like that's not always the same. Like we don't feel the same like source of comfort when we go to a sister and not I mean that in like a, a pure like it's more, when we go to a sister we're not like expecting like oh they're gonna somehow like make me feel like loved and validated and that's just like not our mindset so sometimes we go to brothers even like out of a we don't even know we're thinking that way and but that's that's what we're yeah. street that's what we're seeking um and so I just think we have to be really careful and aware and um the Bible talks all the time about being aware, to say, alert and aware of Satan's schemes and having the armor of God on. Um, and I think this is an area of our lives that we really have to have our armor on and protecting ourselves against emotional purity.
1: Amen. And I think it's dangerous because as men, we thrive on feeling needed. And so when sisters are battling with this insecurity and, and feeling like they need us, well, we're sitting back here saying, man, I love that idea of feeling needed. I love that idea of someone feeling like they, they need me to come in and kind of be their hero and kind of rescue them and save them. And so we've really got to learn. And, you know, there's a story that I want to bring up, and we're running a long on time, so I'm not going to have you turn there. But there's a story I want to bring up for the men when, when you know, you think of David and, and the man of faith that he was, and he was the one that slew Goliath. And he was called a man after God's own heart. But we all know where, where David fell, and it was with Bathsheba. And it was with the idea of, man, he looked at her and he wanted her. First of all, he was not doing what he should have been doing. At the time when kings should be going to war, he was chilling at the palace being lazy. And then he saw something and his his insecurities and his impurities popped in. And then it led to sin. And so I think as men, man, we've got to be mindful as well. About, man, we've got to be deliberate not only about cherishing our relationships with the sisters, but we've also got to be deliberate about being adventure, being on this adventure that God has placed us in, being in the kingdom of God. And that there are people we need to be mindful of the fact that man, there's a mission out there that we need to be engaged in, and that oftentimes when we're not focused on the things that God desires for us to be focused on, that's when we get really weak, and that's when our sinful nature wants to really take take way and take control. And so we've really got to be mindful of that. We've got to be disciples who are engaged with God and his word. You know, uh, I think about my relationship with Delaney when, I, when we were dating. And one thing that I really loved is that, yeah, although the distance was tough, I love that because it helped us to keep our focus on God. Man, I, I loved knowing that Delaney was so committed to her ministry in Colombia and that she was doing great things in Colombia. But I also knew that, man, when I was in Athens, I was serving and giving to the ministry in Athens and had a heart for God. And yeah, there were some things looking back on our relationship that I definitely could have prioritized her better. But I love the idea that in our relationship, the focus was God, the focus was Jesus. The focus was, man, how is Delaney? Doing spiritually, And how am I doing spiritually? Not, okay, like, yeah, she's pretty. And yeah, we have these great conversations. And yeah, she makes me feel like really good. But no, it was centered around, man, are we glorifying God together? And that is the question you want to ask yourself. If you're in a steady dating relationship, are we glorifying God? That's a valid question, because that should always be the goal for your relationship. And you know, the Bible, like Delaney said, doesn't necessarily talk on Like steady dating relationships, but it talks about marriage. And it talks about the idea of, man, not being unequally yoked with someone. And that we should not be in relationships with those who are unbelievers, with those who do not follow the scriptures and believe in God. And we're letting that scripture really soak in because, yes, it talks about not being yoked with unbelievers. And so, man, if you're battling. And I know there were times in my walk as well where I was battling this idea of, man, I know I've got these, these awesome sisters in the church, and it'd be great to, like, you know, encourage them and, and to go out on dates and build these friendships. But I was also being pulled by relationships and friendships with women in the world. And just that idea of, of dating a woman in the world and, and, and letting scriptures really be the foundation and my conviction for why I didn't. Because the scriptures are clear it says, do not be unequally yoked. And this idea of being yoked was, man, this was an instrument, this was an object used during this time to help two animals when they were plowing to go in the same direction, to allow them to be stronger together. And in a a relationship that's steadily dating, your goal, you wouldn't just date to date because we're not in the world. Our goal for steady dating is that we hope to find our significant other that we can marry. And so when we are unequally yoked with someone, man, it, it causes us to be separated from God, whether you want to admit to it or not, you are slowly drifting from God. And I know oftentimes we can have this idea, no, 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 I'm in this relationship to help this person come to God. Like I'm going to be the one to influence them and to help them. But the reality is, is oftentimes we allow relationships with people who do not have relationships with God to be things that take us away from God and drift us. And so that's why the scriptures are there, They're there to help guide you. They're there to help you develop a conviction on saying, hey, this is a scripture that's in the Bible for your well-being. It's to help you. It's to protect you. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that and really fighting for that. Man, I think of so many things that help Delaney and I to have a thriving dating relationship. And one of the biggest things is getting advice. You know, when you care about things, you get advice. I can think about, man, when I wanted to be a great athlete, when I wanted to be the best football player I could be, I got so much advice. I spent so much time talking to my coaches. I spent so much time looking up videos online to see how I could be better. Man, I was so devoted to really getting advice and seeking it. Man, if you genuinely care about your relationship, if you really care about your dating relationship, being committed, steadily dating, you need to be getting advice. And it doesn't need to be from your necessarily your peers and your friends. I think that, that at times that has its place. But you need to be seeking advice from wise counsel, from people who've been there, done that, from people who've been able to say, yeah, we've made mistakes and we've learned. Because that's what we need. And when you care about it, and there were times when I would get discipled. We would go and we'd have, and I felt like I was always getting punched in the face. I felt like Delaney was an angel. And anytime we got discipled about our relationship, I was taking uppercuts and jabs all day. But it helped me to grow and to mature and to be the man that I needed to be to glorify God and to allow our relationship to glorify God. And so if you're in here and you're in a steady relationship and you don't have anyone that you can go to, that it has wise counsel to get advice from, my first thing would be, that should be your priority. It's finding a couple that you can really connect with and grow and really just be vulnerable with because they want to help you. There are people out there that want to help you and want to give you good advice. And so that is one thing that I really thought helped me in Delaney's relationship. Another thing (laughs) is to stop being selfish. You know, in our relationship, it was so easy for me to be selfish and to really think that, man, I need to treat Delaney like I would treat a guy. I need to treat Delaney how I would treat my roommates and thinking that she would respond well if I treated her in that way. And understanding that women and men are different and that you cannot communicate, you cannot talk to your significant other in the way that you would talk to a brother because we're not, we're not built the same way. And learning how to be, to one, be humble and to learn to be gracious and the way that you communicate and the way that you guys talk to each other. I think that's a huge thing that Delaney and I have learned so much, is one of the way that we communicate. And there's never a such thing as over-communicating. I think that that's a a great thing that someone gave me advice on in in our dating relationship is over-communicate. There there is never a time where she's gonna be like, all right, John, you're like communicating with me too much, like you you need to stop. And so just having that heart to over-communicate and to get on the same page. And and then purity meant setting strong, firm boundaries that are really going to be based off of conviction and not breaking those boundaries. And if you have a moment where those boundaries are broken, talking and and getting open with someone and confessing, because the second you let it fester, the second you tell yourself, uh, it's okay, like we're going to be strong. We broke it once, but we won't do it again. Guess what? You'll do it again. And so get open and find people, find couples. This Once again, if you have a couple, this is helpful because you can go to them and be open and be radical about your purity. Because this is an area where, man, this, like like Matt was sharing, and even in the church, if you don't, if you're not radical, if you're not serious about your relationship and the purity that the scriptures talk about, absolute purity, man, it can really mess you up. And it can really send you down a path that's going to be, that's going to have some trials, you know? And so really being men and women who have integrity and who get advice and counsel and are open about their sin. You know, there are so many more things that we could talk about in terms of dating. And we want to encourage you guys to talk to us, to come up to us, ask us questions, because we've learned a lot. And even as a young married couple, we've been married for seven months, and we're still learning so much about our relationship and how to communicate and how to be... uh, more in tune with the other person and taking care of the other person than we are about what we can get out of the relationship. Um, so I really hope that this class was helpful and that you guys were able to find something that applies. Um, but we're going to close out with a prayer and then you guys are dismissed, okay? Yeah. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for the privilege of being your disciples. Father, thank you for your word that has so much counsel. Father, that your word is perfect, that we can use it to govern our lives that we can use it to encourage us and, and, and to really just lead us. Father, thank you for the ability to have men and women in our lives who have been there and done that. God, men that, and women that love us and care for us and who are eager to share their lives with us. Father, please help us to be men and women here who are radical. God, who want to be different from the world, who want to be seen as being people who have been with Jesus and who follow Jesus. God, allow our friendships to look different. Allow us to be people who put others' needs above our own and look to the interest of others before ourselves. God, allow us to grow as men and to be men who are radical and men who are intentional in really loving our sisters and showing them that they are precious and beautiful. God, allow us to be people who are secure in you and not looking to relationships to fill a void, but look to you to ultimately be our sustainer. Father, please continue to be with us as we're at this retreat. Help us to be out of our comfort zones. God, help us to fall more in love with you and to be more in tune with you and your scriptures. Father, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.